So in today's episode, we are carrying with our insights from the Workplace Wellness um, Festival, and um, we are addressing day two. So we might be doing part one in this episode and part two next time. Beyond Wellbeing, leading a thriving, generative, and conscious workplace culture with Daryl Brown and Lena Mberku. So you've got some other fabulous drawings for us today that um, we're not going to describe in audio-visual terms, but <laughs> um, if, uh, if our listeners want to um, travel along and, and, and have a look at the, the little images as well as the, the cliff notes, um, they're certainly welcome to head to LinkedIn and look for our uh, Beyond Wellbeing podcast there and uh, you'll see the, the day two notes are all documented there and all the pages of those. So what was up first, Lena, on, um, on day two there? It was Dr. Norman Swan, who is Australia's most respected health journalist. Um, and he was speaking about coronavirus and uh, wellness and asking whether vaccines are safe um, because we cannot rush the process. There's really that sense that, uh, of course, there is a race to the vaccine at the moment, but um, usually vaccines take between a year or two to be tested before they're actually released, sometimes even longer. And uh, there is fear that in this uh, desire to bring solutions quite quickly and be the first ones to uh, to find a solution to coronavirus that we might endanger people. Yeah, but this is a challenge, isn't it? And um, we certainly, you know, when you hear that and there's then, then the, the mixed message of making it compulsory at the same time, that's all kind of all scary because, again, if it's rushed to market, then there's people that are compromised with that kind of um, vaccine as well, then you've got got all sorts of um, issues. Yeah, well, you know, it's all in the future for us, isn't it? We don't really know. We haven't been here for, um, well, really, not. we certainly haven't been here this century. <laughs> um, so it's quite a, quite a new way of making progress. Indeed, yeah. The second one was really inspiring. It was uh, Ronnie Khan from Oz Harvest um, speaking about living with purpose. Okay. So, um, so what's his story there then? I mean, it, it, it's a community organisation, isn't it? Oz Harvest, sort of repurposing food and uh, uh, food offcasts and things like that. Yeah, that's right. So she's a South African um, and she was an event organizer who always used to uh, have generous buffet, but uh, at the end of the day noticed that there was a lot of food waste. So she used to take it herself to uh, homeless uh, centers and try to distribute the food to the needy. But um, the law uh, in uh, New South Wales was not necessarily allowing her to do that. So um, I guess with Host Harvest, she managed to get the laws changed, which is quite amazing. And, uh, and now, I don't know, there are tons and tons of uh, uh, food that gets rescued and gets repurposed. And she just wrote a book actually called A Repurposed Life. 
Okay. And was really encouraging in this uh, talk to to look at the problems that bug us the most because those problems are the ones that hold the key to what our purpose is in life. I guess by addressing those problems that we feel the most impacted by, we might find a good raison d'être. Yeah, that's actually quite. That's a kind of a valid, really valid insight, isn't it? Mm. I mean often we'll just leave some of those things just under the carpet and they're just, they're just there nagging us, but we don't actually look at them and actually deal with them. So, yeah, uh-huh. I, I saw a, um, a Tony Robbins quote today. Um, this was actually a slightly different context, but it, it, was, it was talking about pain and pain is supposed to inspire us to action. That's kind of like it's a, that's its purpose in a way. In, in the body. So similarly, when we have other negative situations around us, what a great motivator to, um, to actually look at them as, okay, well, this shouldn't be this way. Let's do something about it. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, so the third uh, talk was uh, by Libby Davis, who um, is the CEO of White Ribbon Australia and is in charge of uh, domestic and uh, family violence. Um, I mean, in charge of combating <laughs> of social yes. change in that yes, area, of course. <laughs> the prevention <laughs> of, yes. That's it. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a really good talk, uh, really empowering, empowering us to see ourselves as agents of social change and, and seeing organizations and workplaces as this doorway to make uh, the change that we want to see in Australia happen. Brilliant. Yeah. Now it is, um, it's kind of weird when we start, like I think as we've talked before in, in previous episodes, we kind of see that um, businesses and other parts of our community are taking on or looking to see that there is a way that they can play a role in parts of our lives that they haven't played in the past and um, this is quite empowering to be able to then come together as a community whether it's your work community or or further and actually then be proactive in um, just making our environment better making our community safer making our families safer as well mm. then we had uh, jamie malu thomas um, uh, who is a storyteller and uh, creator speaking about how being an earth custodian can uh, make you well in the workplace. Um, And um, yeah, he spoke about ancestral practices and the fact that they have been forgotten but need to be reintegrated through Eating organic food, for example. So organic okay. food did not used to be a goal. Organic food, which is called food, before <laughs> that's what it was. But uh, these days we need to distinguish it and, and try to, to eat whole food that's organic. And uh, yeah, uh, like our ancestors are uh, moving more because that's what our bodies are designed for. Mm. But also connect with others and share stories. That's That's what makes us human. That's what we are wired for as well. Yeah. And it is, as you talk about earth custodian, there's that kind of connection that we seem to have lost in, in our 
you know, city societies and our townships and urban settings of being connected with the land and, um, and the healing powers of just being connected in that way as well. It's, uh, yeah, it's good to that. We're getting these messages to restore that, to, to, to encourage us to reconnect that way. Mm. And then talk number five was um, Jenny George from uh, Converge International. And um, she spoke about feeling good by being good. Um, and I love what she shared about virtue mm. and her question about what makes a good life. And basically a good life is the life that gives you purpose and vitality and embodies virtue. Yep. And uh, she, she spoke about the power of small habits in order to develop our well-being. It's all about the activities that you can build in your daily life, such as being thankful or being open to learn, connecting again with uh, people and having close relationships, which uh, when we look at the work of Martin Seligman, is such a great indicator of our well-being, the quality of our relationships. Yes, absolutely. Which is Aristotle uh, by saying, without friends, no one would want to live, even if he had all other goods. So that's a celebration of great friendship. Yeah. And it is like we kind of miss the point sometimes. I think we've talked about this before as well of what it is that makes a good life. We kind of get caught up in this fantasy that it's actually around, you know, living in castles and having, you know, having all the mod cons and all of that kind of thing. But the things that that kind of um, do make the difference are just what Jenny's pointing out there, the relationships we have, how we feel about the people around, how we feel about our environment that we're in, how we feel about how we're contributing to um, the betterment of those around us as well. Mm, absolutely. And then um, number six was um, a panel uh, exploring what's a mentally healthy workplace. And uh, we had Libby Davis again, as well as uh, Jamie Thomas and uh, Catherine Birchall and Jenny George. Um, saying that we need workplaces that are transformative and that build resilience and that truly focus on human beings. Uh, places that bring the outside in. So just having even lots of plants in the office mm. makes us feel better. There are lots of studies that show that we actually need to connect to, to nature to feel better. And um, might be my little plug for my friends from Gunbush who organize all these uh, amazing events and networking in nature to encourage people to get out and um, meet uh, other people in the botanical gardens or okay. uh, yeah, in national parks. Really that good. sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. No, it's a, that looks like it was a fairly jam-packed um, discussion there. You spent a whole page on that one. And and it is, um, I think it is a big thing, isn't it? Like, again, we've, we've talked about this. This now we, as workplaces, there's got to be a, 
well, it's more helpful if there's a proactiveness on the part of the, the workplace itself to look after the humans that are, um, that are part of that. And then to actually, you know, the big challenge is then to understand what that actually looks like, you know, what, what it actually looks like to look after humans. And I suppose that's a growing field in itself as we kind of work out what we need as human beings to, to be able to thrive um, psychologically, physically, and spiritually, you know, in a, in a space. Yeah, and I love the fact that uh, Libby Davis, because she spoke about uh, domestic violence, was saying that um, we need workplaces that are a safe place for people when home is not a safe place for them. So yeah. it's an important dimension that we tend to forget um, how it can actually help support people's mental health to have a place where they can go and where they know that they can uh, do their best work and also feel safe. Um, and, um, and Catherine uh, insisted on the fact that workplaces need to address financial stress. And I think that um, with COVID and you know, people's partners losing jobs and economic recession, etc., like I think more than ever, uh, well-being can also be linked to financial well-being yes absolutely mm. yeah well, that sounds like a powerful session indeed mm. and then number seven was scott hazard from atlassian who i don't know atlassian is doing a lot of great work on uh, creating mentally healthy workplaces and uh, generating well-being so he was speaking about um, how the space is demonstrating their values and uh, the importance of creating great spaces for people. It's a, it is a challenge. Like, again, you know, we've had the whole cubicle area era and, um, you know, the whole grey boxes and people lined up. Um, but it, it's kind of... <laughs> Well, anybody knows that to step into that on a daily basis, um, you know, with the big fluoro lights over the top and all of that kind of stuff, um, it, it does kind of suggest that that's how your uh, employers think about you <laughs> in some ways. Um, as, you know, you're a cog in the machine or whatever. But so, yes, um, being able to um, create a space that kind of, talks more to to what you value you know what you as a company value mm. um, it's a big deal and number eight we got jenny george back again from converge international and she she had a really good question for us which was to ask what's the most important factor that contributes to an individual well-being and she asked whether it was life circumstances daily habits and activities personality or early childhood experiences and surprisingly only a very small number of people guessed it right um, it's actually personality um, um, that's the main driver apparently um, that represents 50 percent to 80 percent of uh, the the reasons that contribute to an individual's well-being wow yeah <laughs> And then she shared the Converge model, which was all about 
four quadrants, so spirit, body, community, and mind. So body was, of course, about um, exercising, having the right uh, sleep patterns, good nutrition, limiting drugs, and um, avoiding alcohol. Um, and uh, spirit was about spending time in nature and connecting to nature, but also having purpose and meaning. Uh, community was all about social networks and giving, while mind was about having a positive mindset, um, a growth mindset and um, practicing mindfulness. Right. Amongst other things, of course. Good. And then um, number nine was uh, the fireside chat, um, improving mental health at work, whether that's the normal. And we had Gerard Bevan, uh, Gina Boskowski, and Ebony Alexander saying to be practical rather than clinical, um, to have the deep conversation, like to not just ask people, are you okay? But to, to find out um, how they're feeling or have they been able to reach out to uh, friends and families or uh, uh, if they say no to actually help also and be trained to know what to say and do um, to offer care or to point to right resources or to um, to support them in that state. Um, mm. And Gina was saying that they are offering um, yoga and dance classes and that have had a lot of um, success. Um, and that leaders need to embrace the change for it to be adopted throughout the whole uh, company. You know, like, so we, we need to see people on the dance floor or on the yoga mat for, uh, for other employees, I guess, to, um, to be motivated and inspired as well to do that steps. Yeah. We need to spot our organizations with people that are going to lead the way there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's if because it's a new part of the culture in a way, isn't it? So if it's a new thing that's not been done before, uh, and then it's expected to be done, but it's not shown. This is how we do it, and this is us doing it. Then um, it's going to be a pretty slow take up on that kind of thing. Hmm. Then um, talk number ten was by Matt Cross, who is the anxious shrink. He was really funny. I really enjoyed his humor. And uh, he spoke about uh, coping with anxiety during the pandemic and beyond. Um, and he actually spoke about humor as well. That we need humor, uh, just not at somebody else's expense. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a um, has been a propensity in Australian humor to kind of to knock people down, to give them, to roast them or whatever. But yeah, we, hopefully that's, that's on the, on the mend and we're, we're looking at other more um, life giving ways of laughing at ourselves. Yeah. And I mean, this is something that I believe in as well, like that we need to accept illness in ourselves or our own frailties or our own, flows in order to be able to help others. Otherwise, like we won't be able to really fight the shame and name calling. Like we need to recognize things in us first and not point the finger to others. That's it. So self-deprecation is all right when you, you know, 
when it's again, uh, really when we're highlighting the human condition, but not really at the, you know, not when we do it at the expense of other people or to single somebody out. It's actually our common humanity. That's, that's where a lot of comedians can um, pick up on and it's our shared humanity that's and our shared frailty that's actually quite funny, isn't it? Mm. Another panel. Lots of yes, panels. Yes, another in panel. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, that was really cool, actually. It was uh, speaking about um, the mental mental well-being, like uh, asking why are we having an explosion of mental ill health and how can the workplace help? And uh, Jenny George was back with um, Kate Connors and Renee Storvetant and Jack Held and Catherine Newton. And uh, saying that we need to do more than just put a poster and buy cookies on Are You OK Day? Yeah. I found it interesting with Are You OK? I know in a, a workplace that I've been to recently, they've picked, they've picked up the Are You OK? thing for a number of years now. And um, in some ways, it's almost like um, Are You OK? Is kind of, was kind of like the, the leader into workplaces of going, OK, we need to start talking about these things. We need to start taking each other more seriously. And so it's kind of almost like, yeah, that was a that was the way that we started to to know about this this thing called well being and that we can support each other in that. And we're not just turning up to do a transactional job, but it's a you know, it's a relational thing and that we can look out for each other. Yeah, and in that, I really appreciate the idea of the well-being champions, like to actually build capability to train leaders in mental health, um, to hear from marginalized voices. It, it is really about making sure that we have open channels of communication and that we can hear all the voices in the system. Yeah, there's still a lot to learn, isn't there, in, in this particular area? and how we can, as responsible corporate citizens, can, can manage this well. Rob Bastian was number 12, and um, he spoke about the foundation for psychological safety and prevention of mental illness, and um, said that we need to acknowledge that we all get it wrong sometimes. <laughs> so to actually have that humanity and that capacity to recognize our own mistakes and uh, invite others to learn from their own mistakes as well. Um, but we also be aware that we have lots of cognitive biases and, uh, and that it's important to, to know that we may have distorted thoughts about reality. That's why we need to check with each other and have other people hold the mirror to us to, to have a better picture of what's happening. Yeah. No, it is a bit, that's a big deal. And understanding the, the whole cognitive bias type thing and, and then not being okay and recognising that that is part of us as humans 
and that's that knowing that we have it have these biases isn't something to be ashamed of but that it's actually then okay to to speak to those and to ask others to to see them for us or to reflect them for us and again you need a safe place for that to be able to happen where you know where it's not um where you're not just um trying to survive or just just deal with your life <laughs> mm. now he had lots of great um messages about reducing judgment and using empathy to not react um and also i like that he referred to the culture at uh, richmond football club and how they now encourage people to recognize that it's okay not to be okay or uh, that it's okay to say, I don't know. Um, and um, yeah, to to assume the best in others as yeah. well. You know, like I guess when somebody has done us wrong to first um, think that it's non-malicious, uh, that they may not have intended to do to hurt us. Um, yeah. It's already making a huge difference to how we approach them and approach the situation. Absolutely. And it is a hard thing, you know, we, as we're kind of self-protective human beings and we want to protect ourselves, if the easiest way is to assume that that yellow flash in the bush was a tiger, you know, but um, it might just have been a, a scarf, you know, <laughs> somewhere <laughs> lost. So, so, but now we know we're not running away from tigers all the time that we don't, we don't have to have our, our system set on such a high alert that our environments are genuinely safe and uh, generally safe. And that as we approach them and assume it from that, that we're actually inviting safety from those around us as well. Then we had uh, Gino Carafa who spoke about uh, trauma response and um, and said that we need to find time to de-stress. Like he came up with an acronym called CALM and uh, the C st stands for count breaths from 10 to 1, which is a very easy trick that you can do anywhere to calm your mind. And then assess the situation, listen, and manage the situation better. Give yourself a bit of space and, um, yeah, take your time with <laughs> take your time with assessing the environment. That's very good. Yeah. Yeah, there is a real power in that pause. Um, yeah. And then Fiona Andrews spoke um, about uh, Australia Post and all the great work that they have been doing um so people were at risk of mental health issues because during covid there was excessive work demand uh, they felt they were they had poor support for managers they had limited autonomy work was monotonous and uh, agents were harassed by unhappy customers um, so what they did is uh, mindfulness and resilience training. They developed their leadership capabilities to be better equipped. They put signs to ask customers to be kinder to 
uh, the staff and more patient with them. Um, they've been doing training as well in customer service. They allowed people permission to pause and take 20 minute break whenever they needed to. And also to get access to a trained colleague that could give them some mental health support. They've been uh, running mental health assessments. They had EAP on site, which was Converge International. And um, yeah, they found a more flexible and fair rostering system and encouraged connection and collaboration in the team, like through launches and newsletters, etc. And apparently the results have been quite spectacular. Okay. So there's a lot more satisfaction within the uh, Australia Post um, employees than, than might have, you might have expected out of um, these difficult times. Mm. Well, that's good. Shows that it's worth investing in, doesn't it? And I think that's one of the challenges we've got is you, how much do you put into this, which is uh, how, much, how many resources, what resources do you put towards this and what benefit do you get as, as an organisation? Certainly we understand we're working with human beings, but there is at some point there's going to be some kind of um, maths involved. And um, it is encouraging when we see case studies like this that, that it's not just, you know, it's not just about putting that um, 50 page, how we do things manual up on the top shelf in the managing director's office and no one ever sees it again. There are some real practical things that can actually, you know, change the way everyone interacts on, on the floor and how they feel about their situation and how they can respond to it well. Mm. Well, that takes us about halfway through. So we'll come back in the next episode and finish day two of the Workplace Wellness Festival. You've been listening to Beyond Wellbeing with Daryl Brown and Lena Mberku. We've got some uh, awesome commentary coming up regarding uh, the rest of the day and we're going to cover off um, techniques to build resilience both in yourself and others. We're going to be looking at impl implementing your mental health strategy from the ground up. Um, that's a great case study from Johnson & Johnson there. And then we have a fireside chat on how groundbreaking programs are improving mental health and well-being in the construction industry and some interesting insights into that. Then Sue Langley looks at the upside of stress. So there's a whole bunch of stuff we're going to chat through in our next episode. So please uh, tune in again, as they say in the uh, old radio days. And um, please subscribe, um, share it, or go and have a look on LinkedIn at Lena's Notes Little Drawings, and it'll help jog your memory if you were there. And of course, if you weren't, it'll give you some idea of the sorts of content and the sorts of thinking that's going on in our industry at the moment. And then please share it around to, to others that uh, you think may be, uh, be able to benefit from it. All right, check you in the very next episode.